This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Today we have Gail Rudman on the show. She is the Director of Internal Audit at McMaster Carr. And has a really interesting background. That's one of the reasons we really wanted to have her on. Before she was in internal audit, she spent time studying French literature and cinema in Paris um, and kind of moved around and has a, uh, a unique background relative to uh, what we typically see in internal audit. So we thought that was really interesting um, and wanted to get her perspective on a couple different things about uh, ways managers can give feedback, how to expose the team to new ideas, and then really how to accelerate people's timelines to becoming better, more outstanding auditors. So it's a very interesting um, conversation that we have today. Here we go. Great. So, so yeah, so I have a fairly non-traditional background when it comes to um, you know, when you look at the resumes of a lot of internal auditors. So, you know, my educational background is a double major um, in economics and French. And so I do have the quantitative elements in my formal education, um, but pursued a master's in French and then was working on a doctorate in French literature before I moved um, to the 180, kind of went back to the quantitative world and started working in finance. Um, I worked in finance uh, for the railroad um, down in Jacksonville, Florida for four years. Um, you know, through finance, you develop a lot of relationships with people across the organization when you're doing budgets and um, expense budgets, capital budgets, ad hoc analysis. And so I got a developmental opportunity to do public affairs, like basically public-private partnerships for a couple of years, which gave me the opportunity to spend a good amount of time with VPs and executives in the organization and learn what they care about, um, what the organizational goals really are, um, how, just how people at that level think about, um, think about risk. And then I went back to finance for a little bit and our company went through a pretty significant reorg. They cut the finance department in half. And so I got an opportunity to move an intern into internal audit um, and I think really that was born out of having been at the company at that point for six years, having people at varying levels see my skill set and see how I could add value to the organization through finance, through public affairs. Um, and then they matched that skill set up with what they thought would be a good match in internal audit. And when you went to internal audit, you went in there as a, in a leadership position, is that right? Yeah, so I started an internal audit as a manager, which at that point, it was a lateral move for me in the company, given that I didn't have a lot of experience with internal audit, other than when I was in finance, I owned a SOX control. And uh -huh. so I had internal audit come and 
do a process walkthrough with me at that point. I had no idea what socks was or why they were doing what they were doing. Right. Um, all I knew was I had steps that I was supposed to follow and they were checking to make sure that those steps were the same and um, that had not changed from year to year. And so, um, so kind of blissfully ignorant came into internal audit as a manager, not recognizing the normal path of getting to manager and going through staff and senior. Um, so, you know, I was as a manager learning the audit process, which was a fairly non-traditional point at which to start. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm curious about is how you like made the transition and how you learned audit as a manager. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think um, I started out, the very first audit that I worked on was with a co-source um, who specialized in supplier contract compliance reviews. Mm -hmm. And so I started working on my very first audit with him while simultaneously getting training from some of my new teammates in audit about what the audit process is and how it works. So they were at that point, the organization was using teammate. And so we had each of the steps of the process laid out. So, you know, I'm learning about planning and the way I translate planning is you have the opportunity, depending on your audit, to learn something completely new in the organization. You get to meet new people. In this case, because it was a supplier contract compliance audit, we were going out to the supplier, learning in this case about um, signal construction, like railroad signal construction, which obviously knew nothing about. The funny thing I remember from that very first meeting was our um, co-source continued to ask questions about the bomb. I'm like, what is the bomb? Bill of materials, okay. BOM. <laughs> but this was like one of my very first audit meetings ever. Um, so, but, you know, planning includes um, learning, you know, asking a lot of questions about any given area, getting to know new people, doing research, documenting, which was completely up my alley, having come from, you know, a number right. of years in academia. Um, you know, so then I learned, okay, the next part of the process is field work. Okay, so field work is basically data analytics, um, you know, doing some sort of analysis. It can be qualitative or quantitative. Um, and then documenting your work so that people can follow what you've done. I'm like, okay, I came from finance. I come from, you know, an economics background. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, next part of the process, I'm learning about reporting. I'm like, okay, so after you've gotten to know a particular area and, you know, honestly, in a lot of instances are becoming the subject matter expert, given the mm -hmm. amount of time you've spent asking questions, talking to people, looking through the data to make sure that, you know, what they told you about how the process works is actually how the process is working. Mm -hmm. um, then you get to write about it. And again, coming from academia and, and doing French literature and enjoying reading and writing, I'm like, all right, this is great. Like I get to write, um, you know, generally an executive level communication um, that really could have meaning for the business in terms of identifying where what is happening is not, it may not be aligning with the original expectations of how the process is working. Yeah. And I know we, we also talked beforehand about the internal audit book club that, that you guys have. Is that something that also that I know being a, uh, being in academia, like you were, I would imagine you read a lot of books. Um, and so was that, was that, how helpful is it to be, to have that club? Cause I know it was, I mean, years ago before I picked up the first, like I'd been an internal audit for years and years 
and uh, didn't really pick up a book on on the the profession until a few years ago. And it was just like, there's so much good stuff in these. I mean, it's, you don't, you know what I mean? So could I just, could you kind of walk us through the, the book yeah. club, how that works um, and the kind of value that you've seen from it and mm-hmm. how you've seen maybe like your team grow and learn more just maybe from that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess maybe to back up just a little bit to give everyone a sense of you know, where I've gone from manager to leading an audit department. So, you know, right now I'm the director of internal audit at McMaster Car Supply Company. Um, We're headquartered just outside of Chicago. And coming into that role, um, you know, I had a a team, I have six people on the team, um, mixed experiences. Some come from accounting backgrounds. We have someone who comes from an operational background, another one, a fellow, (laughs) econ undergrad um, who did an internship at Big Four, um, someone who came from a finance background. So basically varied. Um, and this fall, I read Trusted Advisors by Richard Chambers. And I, uh, the, the entire book resonated with me. I mean, it, it is a book targeted towards internal auditors. It's really a business book. It's thinking about like, what, what are, you know, he calls it the key attributes of outstanding internal auditors. But really it's, and as he mentions as well, it is key attributes for being outstanding in any area of business or candidly in life. Um, And so as I was thinking about my backgrounds um, and thinking about how to help others be successful and hopefully um, outstanding internal auditors in the future, I wanted to figure out a way to help people to help accelerate people's um, timeline towards becoming quote unquote outstanding mm-hmm. um, without necessarily having to go through all the years of experience, right? I mean, experience helps, right? Experience helps you develop professional judgment. Experience helps you develop professional skepticism, creative, um, critical thinking, etc. But I wanted to think about how do you get people there? And mm-hmm. so you know, a number of years ago, I read this book by Dr. Carol Dweck, who's a psychologist who now, um, who's taught at Stanford for almost two decades. And she talks about the importance of a growth mindset. Um, and so a gr- all a growth mindset means is basically that you recognize that your attributes or your abilities are not necessarily fixed, right? And so, you know, I think, um, when you think about the accounting profession and you think about like how people tend to move, you know, they get their bachelor's in accounting or in business administration and, you know, move on maybe to a master's of accounting or CPA or, you know, public accounting. Um, it's a fairly linear trajectory. Um, and it, so it doesn't give a lot of opportunity to explore different perspectives, um, how different people see the world, which is, different perspectives and being able to see the world from other people's point of view is like kind of foundational to being able to build relationships. Um, and you know, um, which is a key element of becoming a trusted advisor, um, becoming trusted, right? People have to trust you. And so, so I knew that I wanted my team, um, to eventually read mindset. Um, but the idea with the IA book club to get back to your original question was, okay, how can I help the team get exposed to different ideas um, and continually like challenge the status quo, um, 
you know, read about these experiences that people in business or in life have had that maybe they have or hadn't had and how things have gone well or haven't gone well and use this growth mindset to A, ask good questions, but enjoy the challenge, persevere when things get hard. Um, I mean, the book club idea is really just, like I said, about exposing people to different ideas, having a conversation to try to figure out where everybody on the team is in their journey. Um, and then, you know, reinforce the importance of reading books, I guess. Um, and, you know, I encourage them to read and listen to books and podcasts outside of kind of the more targeted business and psychology books that we read. So my, when I was writing my dissertation, it was on French, like an element of French cinema, right? And cinematic analysis is a really interesting way to do sort of behavioral analysis or help to understand your business partner or auditee because you're looking at all the things in the film that create meaning, right? So how long is the shot, right? Are there, are you, are you moving between frames quickly? Like what's the angle of the camera? Um, you know, what's the lighting? Like there are all these things that you have to kind of pick out and, you know, like you think about a scary movie, like how does a scary movie make you scared? <laughs> right. And it's trying to, and so it's, you know, um, thinking critically about how has the, cause it's, it's intentional, right. It's very deliberate. Like yeah. people kind of see the final product and in retrospect, like it looks like it just sort of unfolded naturally. It, it's unfolded in anything, but you know, any way, but naturally. What, what's a, um, maybe a good movie that you would recommend that people may or may not know about like a non <laughs> A movie that's not about a superhero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One, um, so it was a Christopher Nolan film. Um, it's called Memento. And the, the time space is completely out of whack. Um, and so that might be, you know, might be a film that would appeal to not just people who are interested in film, but also, you know, the connection between the Batman movies. And, you know, if you, I guess if you want to go to the deep cuts of Christopher Nolan, um, Memento is probably an interesting one to do this analysis. I mean, the classic one um, is Citizen Kane. That's like where all, almost all film courses start. Yep. Um, you know, there are obviously some French films and things like that that are earlier and are more about the history of cinema, but Citizen Kane and Memento, I think are really interesting ones to explore these ideas with. You were talking about the um, the growth mindset. What does that mean relative to audit? Like the growth mindset yeah. auditing, what does that mean? Yeah. So the way that I like to think about it, um, and, and I'm going to use my kids as an example, um, and it also, I think, relates to the accounting world. Um, so a lot of us at a young age, like, think about intelligence as fixed, right? So you are either smart or you're not. Right. Um, and a lot of it comes down to like, I hear my seven-year-old say this, like to test his brothers, his four-year-old brother's intelligence, he asks him a math problem. Mm -hmm. How much is X plus Y or how much is X times Y? Oh, you don't know it. You're not smart. And I think that the way, you know, the way that kids receive education, I don't want to say that necessarily kids are taught this way um, necessarily, but the way that kids receive education is somewhat in a fixed mindset perspective, right? You're given a problem set, you're given a worksheet and it comes back and you either got the answer wrong or you got it right. 
Um, and so one of the things that the growth mindset is a proponent of is um, it's not you either can or you can't, and that's it. The growth mindset really um, values effort and, and effort not as a sign of not being able, right? Like effort, you know, one of the things she says is like effort is what makes you smart or talented, but that's not typically how people see the world, right? We see really talented athletes or we see really talented news anchors or podcast hosts. And we think we don't see all the things that happen in the background. And so like a film, you see something that looks seamless, that looks effortless. And so, and we, we, um, we elevate those people in our minds as role models, right? I want to be like that person who, you know, makes the three point shot look so easy, who can just, you know, cruise past people with the hockey puck and, you know, no look shot to the one guy who's open and then, you know, smashes it past the goalie. Right. Um, and so the growth mindset says like, no, just because, you know, you didn't grow up in the Midwest and you weren't a hockey player from age three doesn't mean you can't learn how to play hockey and play hockey at a really high level. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, same thing. And I think this is why it resonates so much with me. I was an econ and French major and I pursued French for eight years and then someone took a chance on me and I, you know, was able to get into finance from interviewing from a, an apartment in Paris, right? Um, and just recognizing and learning honestly over time, because when I gave that socks example, I was so scared to ask about what socks was and why they were doing what it was, because I thought that that would make me look not smart or not qualified for the job, right? But I learned, you know, through the finance roles, through the, the public-private partnership roles, that actually what people value are the questions, right? Like, by asking questions, you demonstrate that you are interested, that you are engaged, that you are not just a receiver of information, but you are processing information and that you are trying to be part of the solution. And again, that initially takes a lot of effort. And it actually, I think, you know, when I think about it today, it still takes effort. But the effort, you know, comes a little bit more naturally. Like, you know, I have a process, right? And this is one thing that I, you know, I was on my spin bike this morning and watching the, watching the instructor and she kept saying, it was like, perfect. This is what I've written down and prep for this is like, trust the process, yeah. right? Trust the process. And, you know, when you look at the audit process, like there are so many elements of the audit process. Again, you know, the, or many 10 chapters in Richard Chambers book is each an element of the process in some way. But like the reason I think growth mindset is so important in auditing is because the skills, the key attributes of outstanding internal auditors, like those are really hard to just learn over time. <laughs> like you either need someone you look up to who possesses these qualities and then you need to try them out and sometimes you're gonna fail mm -hmm. and you need feedback. And so you need a manager who's willing to say, you know, A, it's helpful if you ask them for feedback specifically, but you know, you also need someone who's willing to say like, hey, like this didn't work quite as well as we had expected this time. Like, here's an idea of how you could have maybe approached this differently and we might it might have resulted in a different outcome. Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We wanna say thank you again to our sponsors over at AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit 
SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with Audit Board's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform in action today. Yeah, I know that the feedback loop is a big part of it. And I think that makes a lot of sense to be able to, well, let me, well, maybe a better way to put this is, so does this fit in with like your uh, annual or, or however often performance review for uh, the staff? Is that like baked into it? Yeah, I mean, I would argue that like annual or even semi-annual performance review is, you know, I know that, I know that, um, performance and development programs are structured that way, mm-hmm. but you know, maybe sometimes my team doesn't love this, but like they get feedback all the time. Right. And some of them now ask for it. Like mm-hmm. they will ping me right after a kickoff meeting or a closing meeting or a meeting with, you know, an auditee that's, you know, just in the middle of field work. And they'll say, you know, how did that go? What could I have done better? And that like makes my heart so happy <laughs> because you know, it's not that I want to be like overly critical or, you know, I don't want them to feel like I'm only seeing the negative. Um, but when they ask me for that feedback or sometimes I give it to them without <laughs> them asking for it, it's all with the spirit of, I believe that you can do this better. Right. And as an, you know, quasi outside, maybe less objective observer when <laughs> I'm their manager, but, um, you know, I watched how the auditee reacted when you said this thing in this way, or, you know, um, and I want you to know, because, you know, whenever you're, if you're leading those meetings, especially you're nervous, you're trying to say the right things. And I feel like awareness, self-awareness can often just go completely out the window. Um, and that's another, you know, that's another skill that takes time to develop. Um, you, people, you know, even if you're, well into your career, you still get nervous, right? And you still lose self-awareness and it's still helpful to have people who can say with the spirit of, I'm telling you this not to bring you down, but because I believe you can get better. I want you to adopt this growth mindset of, yeah, this is challenging. Yeah, sometimes this feedback doesn't feel great, but know that I'm giving you this feedback from a good place of, I, I think that you can be better. The, um, I laughed when you were talking about doing like a, a kickoff call or um, like a controls walkthrough for the first time on your own, like leading that. Uh, the first time I had to do it was it when I was in public accounting. I think I'd been doing it for maybe four or six months. And the uh, senior was like, okay, you're going you're gonna to do this next one. And I was like, sweet. And we kind of like, you know, just small chat stuff beforehand. And in doing that, um, during that small chat, like they actually answered a question that we had relative to the process we were looking at. But like, I was so nervous and I was just trying to be like, okay, ask this question and this question and this question. And if he says this, then, then ask this question, you know, and that I wasn't even paying attention to the small talk. And so it's the first one I was ever supposed to read. And, um, the senior's like, okay, yeah, that's great. That, yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, let, let's get started. And he's like, Trent, I'll, I'll throw it to you. And I asked a question that they had just answered. And so the, the person we we're auditing was like, I, I literally just answered that. <laughs> and I, I just looked at my senior and I just get like, he could just see it on my face, like just help, please help. That yeah, totally, so yeah. 
and I didn't say another word. Like he, he like ran with it from there and uh, it was awful, but you know, you kind of have to do it. So. Yeah. And I think those are the, I mean, you know, the fact that you recall that story, it's those moments that are the hardest and the most uncomfortable Mm -hmm. that with a growth mindset, you leverage those and say, okay, now that I've had time to reflect, you know, I've played this scenario over and over in my head, like, what can I do to, when I'm in that situation again, make it even just incrementally better, yeah. right? And so, um, you know, and I think it's important as a, as a leader to recognize when people make mistakes out of lack of preparation versus lack of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, And this is something that I try to emphasize with my team because I don't want them to get down on themselves when something didn't go as well as we expected. You know, if it's out of lack of preparation, I'll express that I think it was out of lack of preparation and they need to know that um, and you need to prepare better next time. But you can tell when someone has prepared well and they, you know, something has happened or something, you know, in the course of the meeting or in their mind or whatever that, you know, um, that led to things going off the rails a little bit or just not going as expected right um it's like a musician making a mistake in a concert right Mm -hmm. like they're there they've memorized the piece of music who knows maybe a fly flew and landed on their head or something and it distracted them um but again i think the distinction as you promote the idea of a growth mindset it's really important to make that distinction between lack of experience versus lack of doing all the right things leading up to in order to um, ensure that the meeting goes well. Yeah. Um, I like to ask this question when we talked about it last time, the, the way I typically ask it is if you could grab every auditor in the world by the shoulders and shake them and say, just do this, like just do this. And you're like, well, I don't know if I would shake them, but I would tap them on the shoulder. <laughs> uh, when I asked you that, you were talking about being flexible and investing time into the auditee so they understand the intent of the audit process. Is that, is that still where you feel like you would maybe tap every auditor on the shoulder in the world? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think I would maybe even just start a little bit broader. I think, um, you know, as we've had this conversation, like, you know, if I was going to tap everybody on the shoulder, I would say, like read or experience something that takes you outside of your comfort zone. Um, you know, when I th- if I think back to kind of our original conversation, and yeah, I think it's really important for people to understand the audit process. Um, but like, you know, there are so many elements within the audit process. Like, yes, I think people need to understand what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. Um, but I think even at a higher level, like, I mean, audit, the auditors need to be able to think critically about the audit process, right? And, you know, it's one thing to tell a new auditor, here's what we're doing, here's why we're doing this, here's how it works. But if it's not registering to say, okay, well, why does it work this way? Or what about if it's for a different type of audit? Like it's sort of like, you know, training at the beginning of a job and you get all sorts of information that's supposed to help prepare you for the job. And you probably remember 5% of it, right? The stuff that you need on the first day, like, okay, what is my ID? What is my username? What is my password? Who do I go to if I have a problem? Right. But like, I think, you know, understanding or just encouraging auditors to 
continually ask why um, is important, but I think like helping them get to the point of being able to do that on their own without fear of quote unquote, you know, looking unintelligent um, is, is really one of the biggest hurdles to get over. So if you can read books, fiction, nonfiction, listen to podcasts, like, you know, NPR's Code Switch or TED Talks Daily or something where you can like absorb, ingest something that is like something you have never in your, in your wildest dreams thought of before because you're either not in science, you're not in art, you're not mm -hmm. in teaching. Those are things that just like, I think open your spirit, stretch you um, and get you to the point of being able to kind of take that growth and take that curiosity and that inquisitiveness and apply it to your work in internal audit. Is there a resource um, like a TED talk or the uh, a podcast episode that you would recommend folks listen to or watch? Um, I mean, for me, it's all about repetition, right? So like, you know, the ones that I recommend to my team are, um, so one that I've been listening to for a really long time that is not specifically audit related, but it gets into the minds of people who, um, who have demonstrated that they're, you know, very talented by what they produce. So it's called the Stanford Entrepreneurial Thought Leader Series. Okay. Um, it's out of the design school um, at Stanford Design and Engineering School. And, you know, it's kind of in the vein of like NPR's How I Built This. You know, you're talking to founders, um, you're under, you're getting, you know, I guess like, you know, down multiple layers from the, oh, they built this thing, they built Facebook or they built Snapchat or they, you know, built this amazing like, you know, biotech app and wow, that's amazing. And they're so smart and I could never do that. It's like, gets down into the things that they struggled with, mm. right? Like when they didn't, you know, how long it took them to succeed. Cause when you see the final product you don't see that they've spent 15 years doing research yeah. and you know, developing this app and rounds of funding and things like that. So I really like how that talks about the entrepreneurial journey. Um, and I think that that's something that can help auditors think through a process mm -hmm. and see how people have learned over time to trust their process and, dem and to, to build up resilience and to love the challenge and to see that effort is not um, a reflection of not being capable, but it's the thing that makes you capable. What are the easy things to learn and what are the hard things to learn? Yeah, I mean, I think the hard things to learn are things where you have to develop, um, where you have to develop certain levels of self-awareness. How do you, how do you develop self-awareness? I think in part um, by listening. <laughs> so, you know, we like think about just a small talk conversation, right? Um, and this is some, so one of the books that we read in our IA book club is how to win friends and influence people. So mm -hmm. it's not about becoming a, a car, use car salesman, right? But like, there are a lot of really great um, ideas in that book. And listening, I think, and, and, and valuing in that conversation more what the other person is interested in and what the other person has to say than what you have to say, right? So like, you know, I mean, I have two kids, we end up on the playground a lot um, with parents just kind of standing around. And so 
um, I don't always succeed at this. It depends on how the conversation goes, right? But the idea of being like, you know, I don't want to be annoying or obnoxious, but I try to get that person to talk as much about themselves uh-huh. as possible. And I think that's where like you can sense internally when you feel like you want to jump in, right? When you feel like you want to say, oh, you do that, me too. And then yeah. you start telling your story, right? And so I think the thing that people can start with is identifying the kind of physical or like quasi, you know, physical, emotional triggers yep. that lead to an outcome that they, you know, may look back on and say, oh, I should have done something differently, right? So in that instance, like, oh, I should have held back, let them tell their story. If there's time, I can tell my story. If not, maybe there will be another time and I'll get to tell my story, you know, and they'll ask me questions or, you know, that was one time at the playground, the kids had fun, you know, I had a good chat, I learned something new and off we go. Um, So yeah, I mean, the thing that I, share with my team or ask them to think about is like, um, where think about your comfort zone, right. And it's about constantly trying to get outside of your comfort zone. Like what makes you kind of, what makes you seize up? Like what makes you, um, what makes you nervous? Like what makes you, um, say something awkward? Cause you're like trying to fill the space. Yeah. Right. And so like, then, you know, maybe at another and another time and space, think through and evaluate. How did I feel? Why did I feel that way? What triggered that feeling for me? How did I respond to that? Right. And then, you know, you do that in your own quiet space when you have the time to put some brain power to it. And then when that opportunity comes around again, which again, if you have kids and are at the playground, it can be very soon. Um, You can do it with a close family member. You can do it with a, you know, a colleague that you know, well, to then be able to later transfer that, those skills to um, someone who you haven't met before. And, you know, when you're trying to like expand kind of your base of relationships at your organization or elsewhere, you know, I think again, going down the growth mindset path, the, the thing that I would um, love to, to put out there, and I know there are plenty of audit leaders who are already working on this with their teams, um, you know, and in the audit profession in general, you know, when you are looking to hire, you know, new auditors, um, kind of think about what are the capabilities that a candidate might have. So, you know, I know that already we tend to limit the, we tend to limit the talent pool by listing it as internal audit staff or audit, you know, um, by naturally by putting internal audit, there are people who are just, you know, it's never going to come up on their radar. Right. Right. But if you have a way to look um, in a targeted manner for people who may not have experience in the audit process, but who have who come, you know, based on at least what you can see from their from their LinkedIn resumes, that they have a lot of experiences that would make them well suited to the audit profession, but they just haven't learned the audit process yet. Um, I, I would suggest that if we're to move into the space of really earning our trusted advisor status. Like those people may need to learn the audit process, but they can probably bring a lot to the audit team um, in terms of these other attributes that we're seeking to train um, or, you know, hopefully 
get through repetitions um, with our auditors who come through a more traditional background. No, I, I appreciate that because I know with the uh, with the great resignation is you know what it's being called right now, but maintaining or retaining talent and finding talent is um, a struggle for some some departments right now. So I think that's a fantastic note to yeah. leave on. Well, this has well, been a pleasure, Trent. I really appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.